All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. How many people are coming for the first time? Today is the first time of coming. Can you put up your hand quickly? If you see on page one there, the box, the dark box at the bottom, it says as we begin to study, this is our declaration. Now let's take it together. One, two, let's go. And the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I said amen. amen. If you believe it, give me an amen. amen. And I declare to you, therefore, the understanding is your portion today in Jesus' name. Amen. The word will enter your heart. Amen. It will give you light. Amen. Say amen like you believe it. Amen. It will give you light. Amen. It will give you direction. Amen. Healing is coming to you in every area. Amen. And that word will make you more and more like the Lord Jesus. In your character, you become more like Jesus Christ. Amen. In your faith, you become more like Jesus Christ. Amen. And in the manifestations of godliness in your life, you become more like Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, the Lord is good. Can you give somebody on your left and your right? Take your seats. Okay, the Lord is good. Now, which verse have we been in? Zechariah chapter 9, verse... Um, Okay, let's just say for time's sake, let's just quickly jump to verse 11. He said, as for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, he said, I have set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to this stronghold, O prisoners who have hope. This very day I am declaring that I will restore double to you. For I will bend Judah as my bow, I will fill the bow with Ephraim. I will stir up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece. He now said, okay, let me just stop reading in the verse um, 12 there. He said, return to the stronghold, O prisoners who have the hope. This very day I am declaring that I will restore double to you. Now we have been explaining that, okay, let's just read another one, Hebrews chapter 11. The book of Hebrews chapter 11. He said, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Literally, faith is the assurance of hoped for things. That is, it's, it's, what he was saying is basically is that faith is the assurance of hope. He said, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the words were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. One more scripture I think we should read before we leave there. It will be from the book of um, Hebrews. Yeah, Hebrews chapter 10. And let me just start from verse 32. That just to look for a break. Where I'm going is actually verse 35. He said, But remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. But you showed sympathy to the prisoners 
and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. In verse 35, it's therefore, it says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Please bear that in mind. Do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance or patience, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. I want you to understand that. In verse 36, it says you have need. That is, is something that is crucial. It is something you must have. You have need, it says, of endurance. The ability to persevere difficult times. You have need for it. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. If I may just pass a comment here, you notice that what was Paul, well, the writer of the book of Hebrews, I believe, was Paul. What was he saying? That, see, the fact that you are doing the will of God does not mean life will be easy. I hope you are getting my point. That is clear there. That's why I say you have need of what? Endurance. Ability to withstand difficult times. The fact that you are doing the will of God does not mean everything is going to be easy. Sometimes the impression we give is that once you are doing what pleases God, you just make life very, very smooth. Remember we reminded ourselves last time that the greatest reward for a man's labor is not what he gets for it, but what he what becomes by it. In that process, what does he become? You understand? That is sometimes God says you need to be tough. Therefore, I will not make life easy. That's just all it is. We want life to be easy, but God says I want it to be tough. Like Robert Shula we say, tough times never last. But what lasts? Tough people. So God says, I want you to be tough. You need to be tough. For that reason, I exercise you in toughness. How do I do that? I, I don't make life very easy for you. I give you great tasks to accomplish. Even though you are doing what is right, you don't find things exactly totally easy. Let me say it again. It is totally ungodly for you to be looking for life where life is easy. That is not a Christian mindset. Sometimes you want to tell me, now listen to me, let me, please, I'm not trying to criticize people for going abroad. Like I say all the time, you can go anywhere you like. It's your problem, not mine. But you know what my problem is? If you are a child of God, I want to know why. I hope you are getting my point. Listen, like we say, anybody, you know, people can run in the afternoon. What, you know, running is not a problem. It's why you are running that's the issue. If nothing is chasing you, you are not chasing anything, then you have a mental problem. I hope you are getting my point. So we really worry if you, are, if you are running. And what are you pursuing? Nothing. What is pursuing you? Nothing. Ah, you have to have a reason for you know exercising yourself in such a manner. So I'm not saying I, I believe that. Look, you can go anywhere you like. So it's just why. Is that why you are running? Why you are moving? That is one thing I want you to always ask yourself as a Christian. Once I talk to believers and they start telling me that, can you see how tough life is here? I know you are not going anywhere. How can you just wake up in the morning? The reason why you want to run from all this is like life is tough in the one place. What kind of human being are you? How would you like your child to go to a school? Because it is an easy school. Everybody passes there. Is that not why people go to special exam centers to go and write exams? You know what they call special centers? When a child has sat down in a normal school with normal exam, fail uh, math, fail English, then, you know, evil parents... We now go and register that child in a special center. Why? Because anybody that registers there passes. Not because they know anything, but because it's a well-systematized examination malpractice, you know, <laughs> activity going on there. So no sensible parent 
Once the child, do you understand? I mean, they are very useless parents in this life. I've seen a number of them. I get my point. So, I'm, not, I'm talking about sensible people. Sensible people. If the child says, I'm going to that school, why? If they pass the exam easier there. Your first issue is that, is it that they teach better? Did they learn better or they come out of school with better results simply because they don't learn anything? Are you getting my point? The teacher will just say, you go to um, SS3, first term exam, 2 plus 2, 4, and then you get an A. SS3. Do you get my point? You know, you are going to get worried. Because life will show up one day. What is life? You no, know, why could come up, come up with their own questions? They don't know the school you went to, whether it is easy or hard. They are going to give you standard. And the school where everybody has been getting AAA because SS3 people know 3 plus 5. Then you know what will happen. They will now all come out and they will do what? They will fail. Why? Because the real test of life does not care which school you went to. I hope you are getting my point here. And that is how God is also. So like I was saying, look, a child of God cannot just wake up in the morning saying it's easier. Look, it's easier to do what? To eat food. What God is building in people is what? Ability to endure. Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, endure. There are times I like in James English because it drives some points in in the way that modern English maybe doesn't do it so well. He said, endure hardness. You know, there's hardship, which is correct. But I like the word hardness. Gives the impression that it's harder than hard. Endure hardness. Or let's, okay, let's use modern English. Endure hardship as a true soldier of Christ. Soldiers endure hardship. Let me say something to you which will surprise some people that's coming from my mouth. Now what I want to say will not happen. But I want to let you understand how things work. What I'm about to tell you will not happen. Okay? But you know what? Having observed the way the average Christian reasons, there is no way Islam will not take everybody over. Now, what did I say? It will not happen. Why it will not happen is that people are being raised to preach the truth. And Christians must change their mindset, the way they reason. You know, I belong to a number of child groups for a number of reasons, of course. You belong to societies here and there. One of the child groups I belong to is, is made up of professionals in Nigeria, okay? Now, this morning, something happened. It's what I deduced out of it that just struck me this evening, actually, when I thought about it. But this morning, as you can, as you can imagine, I get into arguments once in a while. I don't start the argument, I just sometimes I can't control myself anymore. I'm just tired. Somebody woke up in the morning and decided to tell us how bad the country is. Okay? I happen to be a believer, a Christian. He forwarded his stuff in. So initial, no, no. A man, an elderly man, forwarded something that somebody wrote about why people are running abroad, why they are running, why they are running. Then younger people now started, yes, yes, you know, they were commenting how Nigeria is bad. And one of these people, the champion commentator for the day, is a believer. So, because of that, I was actually angry. Is this person a believer? So, you know what I did? I said, since I was young, people have been complaining. And I spoke and spoke and spoke. Before I even, while I was talking, somebody else has said something that, let's forget all this. Let's be patriotic for goodness sake. You see where I'm going? That fellow who said that, a Muslim. Listen to that. Then I commented. I, I, no, I gave him a thumbs up. I spoke and said, look, listen. Why, are we, why do we like to complain? That if you go abroad, they, you pay to study medicine. Here, federal government gives you medical training free of charge. Then you, you go and use it to develop another country. I said all of those things. Now, this is where I'm going. The only people that gave me thumbs up were all Muslims. 
People who added to my talk. Good. God bless you. Yeah, I like the way you reason. I, you know, sometimes I don't have their number. I can see their names. They're Abdurrahman, Razak. Those are the names. I can show you on my phone. I just spoke about being patriotic. I, t- I gave the Anibo proverb that says that that we are like the proverbial cats that likes a well-cooked food, but catches his own and chops it raw. That why can't we cook our own food? Why do, do, do you know, other people have cooked their own food? In fact, somebody said, it, look, people develop those societies with their sweat, their blood, and they did not even enjoy it in their lifetime. That statement was made by a Muslim. Then I added my comments to it, said a lot of things. I checked those who were giving me thumbs up. Almost all, I as I'm talking to you, and I can't remember one that was not a Muslim. Only the Muslims were giving me thumbs up. Thank you. I like the way you reason. Very good. Muslims. Okay, now I remember one Christian now. That was angry with the other person, more like. You know, I did a small scan. Now let me tell you, those in the chat groups, they are at least 75% Christians. Supposedly Christians. Then I reasoned. I said, Christ. Were it not for the good word that is coming out, there's no way these guys won't take everything over. Why? They are ready to endure hardship. And look at it. You get down to it. I'm not saying what they do is right, but they're the ones that produce people who died deliberately for their religion. And what gave me confidence and hope, like I told you, is I said, no, the word is working. And once God gets his remnants, do you understand my point? He knows what he wants to do with them. So when I say adult Christians, like I said, go anywhere you like. Do you think it concerns me? I'm not one of those people that say, please now, don't go to it. I say, oh, bros, my duty is to describe what hell is like for you and describe the salvation that is in Jesus. The choice is your own. The sin I will commit against you is not to let you know there's a way out. But when you have seen the way out and you see the way that leads to death, and you want to walk in the way that leads to death, I just stop talking to you. Because I've seen many times people deliberately make these choices. I've seen it many times. They deliberately make the choice, so I can't, you know, there are so many things to body my head with. So, where you are going is not my problem. Just, I, I'm curious a lot of times to see why, how Christians reason. He said, you have need, what did he say? Of endurance. The ability to persevere. You have need. You have, that is, what God will do in your life will not be complete until that thing is supplied. That's what I want you to understand. Until the ability to persevere is supplied, what God wants to do in your life will not be complete. It's a crucial point. So, stop looking for how you will not endure. Are you getting my point? Stop looking for how life will be easier. One of the things I found out about God in, in this life, eh, or many of the things we are looking for in life, he banned us from looking for them. And he gave us a set of things to look for. He summarized it like this. Seek first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. What do you mean by seeking first the kingdom of God? Do your part in having it established. His righteousness. Make sure the kingdom of God is first of all established in your own heart. And like we've been saying in some of our teachings recently, these are things we do deliberately. We are deliberate about them. Do you know when they want to train soldiers? When you see some of the things that soldiers do, eh? 
Honestly, you will respect soldiers. Why? That's how they are trained. They train them not to fear death. Is it, is it 50th anniversary? Or no, 75th anniversary of D-Day. It was over the last few days. And they were talking about the invasion of the, the Normandy beach. That invasion. That amphibious invasion. Of the first line of soldiers that went in, I think between 70 and 90% died. You don't get my point. The Germans had their guns trained on the beach. Had all kinds of things. Machine guns, everything. Maybe even landmines. And the Allies were dropping thousands of soldiers. The first soldiers to hit the ground and advance, between 70 and 90% were gone down. I know what happened. The next set kept moving. They kept moving until enough got to the, where the Germans were. So, he said, endure hardship. As what? A true soldier. Soldiers are trained not to fear to die. So, you can imagine how annoying it is when Christians are fearing hunger. Not death. So. They want to make decisions. And you know, it's so, so, so irritating to my soul and that of the Lord because I can feel what he's feeling right now. That will make the fear of tomorrow a valid excuse when we want to make decisions and we say we are Christians. And they will now turn around and say there's Islamic agenda. God say, wait, wait. Assuming you were the judge, who will you dash your nation to? That's what God is saying. That listen, because let me tell you something about God. He's a fair judge. He's very fair. Some of us who are shouting, uh, grace, grace, blood of Jesus. Hmm. Well, the day we face judgment, eh, we go fear. Grace, I said, is the empowerment to do right. Grace is the empowerment to do right. When God wants to judge, he still judges based on what you're able to do. I don't know whether you're getting my point. But what he's saying is that I have given you grace. Grace means that you cannot, you have no excuse to be bound to sin. It's not as if you continue sinning. Then the day of judgment, they say, I can't see any sin. Your sins are covered by the blood. I can't see any sin. God says, eh. You don't know what they say people doing despite to the blood of Jesus? You can insult Jesus. Why? He forgives you, forgives you of, your, of your sins, gives you the power to walk in righteousness, then you decide to walk in sin. He said that one, there's no more sacrifice for that. It's not in your Bible. If anybody teaches you any grace different from what I have said, just when they are lying to you. He said when you go on sinning willfully, after receiving the knowledge of truth, Say that one, Paul said, I don't have, there's no sacrifice made for that one. Then one day I looked at it, I said, what was he saying? He was saying that, listen, any serious believer can overcome any serious sin. Any sin at all. Not, because by, not by his own strength. But by what is called what? Grace. That's why it says, where sin abounds. What happens? Grace much more abounds. Sometimes people try to scare me. This generation, there's pornography just a click of the button away. This generation, there's a drug abuse everywhere. What will happen to our children? I said, my friend, stop trying to scare me. Where sin abounds, what happens? Grace much more abounds. What I need to do is to teach my children the knowledge of truth and grace will carry them through the valley of the shadow of death. Don't scare me. This generation is not worse than previous ones as far as my children are concerned, as far as the church is concerned. Why? Jesus has said it. Paul said it. When sin abounds, don't worry. I supply what? More grace. 
So you will find yourself able to resist what your grandfather could not resist. Why? Grace much more abounds. That's what it means. And that's why God has to be fair when he judges. So, because I have supplied this amount of resources to help you work above the iniquities of this generation, you have no excuse. What am I saying? So, God says, I'm a fair judge. You're talking about Islamic agenda. Where is your gospel agenda? This man is ready to die for his, his truth that he knows. You? And you say, no, if it's too painful, leave it for him. God says, exactly what I will do. Precisely what I will do. I went to that time to explain something. So please, difficulty is not what we are afraid of. God, you see what we say, we have need of endurance. That is, you have need of ability. You have need of it. Except you have the capacity to endure. You will not have the, you know, opportunity to receive the promise. When God wants to give promises, he hides, hides them oftentimes behind difficulties. When he wants to fulfill things. Ah, look at it. They were going to the promised land. He gave them a word. I have given you a land. Anywhere the soles of your feet will tread upon. Possess it. I am with you. He told them all of these things. And I asked God, you know. Now I understand his nature. But those I used to wonder. So why didn't you just remove the giants? Why didn't you remove the walls? Why didn't you remove the Anakim? The Nephilim? Now we understand that's how he behaves. He hides those promises behind difficulties. So that they are only fulfilled in the lives of those who are able to endure. So the promised land, everybody was happy. Oh boy, by tomorrow we don't hammer. I waiting, promised land. Okay now. No, the kind of house I'm going to build in the promised land. Let me just tell you. He said, you don't need to build a house. I will live in a house I did not build. Ah! Okay, the kind of house I'm going to select. It will have running water. It will, have, it, will be, it will be designed in such a manner that during hot weather, it will blow cool air. And during cool weather, it will blow hot air. Yes, I'm going to ensure that my house used to be occupied by one of the giants so that the rooms will be big. My bed will be like the bed of the king, the king of... You know what's the name? Og of Bashan. I think we should design a bed like that. Call it Og of Bashan. Solid iron bed. Strong. They were dreaming. Now let's go and take the promised land. They got there. Now Og of Bashan stand like this. <laughs> Who wants my bed? People turn and they look at Moses. You said we're supposed to take a promised land, a land that flows with milk and honey. What are these giants doing there? That's a guy's turned back home. I know today many Christians are turning back to. Do I need to tell you? Please. I'm not here to say too many things about one man, but I just liked the fact that hey, one man was paid hundreds of Millions of U.S. dollars as dividends in one year doing business inside Nigeria. They asked the man, that's Ali Kodangote some time ago. What about the problems of doing business in Nigeria? He said, there are a lot of problems. He said, but returns are also very good. Did you hear that? 
The man said the returns are very good. They asked Akin Belo Osage, what about the challenges of this so and so and so and so in doing business in Nigeria? He said, everywhere you go, there are challenges. And he began to itemize, okay, they talk about political instability. He said, when you go somewhere else, there's also, he said, he said, America may not have, and Europe, they may not have political instability, but he explained the other kinds of instability they have. If I say mostly technological instability, that you can invest money today, hugely. Somebody brings a small new technology tomorrow, makes everything you are doing nonsense. So there's risk everywhere. The same man said the greatest mistake he made in his business life was pulling out of GSM licenses when it was being auctioned, you know, that first year for passengers' rain. That was 1999, the year 2000. He said when they crossed 200 million, he said this is too much. That no, he said it that time. No company doing this amount, of, doing business in Nigeria can spend that amount of license and make a profit. And Pascal Dozier said it's not about prof- profit. Is that Nigeria too should have this thing? That's what he said. That's what, that's, Pascal Dozier was in MTN. That was his own issue. That whatever it will take, let's do it. That Nigeria can't just be behind now. Other na- countries were doing it. Akim Bilo Sage said. It was the worst mistake of my life, my business life. Why? This license was sold for $275 million. He said, now we know that that license is worth $800 million. That they defined the, defined the um, MTN, how many trillions? They dropped it down to how many billions now? I've forgotten how many billions they now dropped it to after plain negotiation. <laughs> We're discussing it. I said, don't worry, they can pay the money. They can easily, of course, not as if it's not money, but I told the person, do you know how many billions they turn over every month? The person I was talking with opened the mouth. What? I said, yes. They're supposed to be like 300 billion. That's what they find is. I said, they will pay. just a matter of time. That was why Billy Osagi said it was the worst business mistake of it. He was saying this in America. He was giving a lecture in one of the universities. That Kai, he won't do that again. Now, I'm going to say, this, they rec- these men recognize that our problem, so. And they are saying, no, boy, if you can just manage to overcome the challenges, the rewards are good. Yeah, Christians will see small challenge. Hey, this country, this is the problem with this country. You cannot even see constant love power. That day, you know, I traveled, you didn't see me for some time. So I was back at home, I was talking one evening. <laughs> Why are you trying to get Jane started and all of that? My mother said, ha, what is the problem? People are suffering in this country. I said, mommy, show me the suffering. She looked at me like, what? I said, show me the suffering now. There's no light. Did your father have light? <laughs> I know the house my mother grew up in. There was no light there too. My mother is 80 years old. It's not a small picking. <laughs> he said, I said, which suffering? You are sitting in front of your own house. Breeze is blowing you like this. Your children are around you. Your grandchildren are around you. He said, they are suffering in this country. I said, what is the suffering? What is the suffering you are discussing with me now? He said, why do we not like to just call everything suffering? There is no light. Uh-huh. So? Our house there happens to be on like a hill. At night, eh, we will close windows, shut doors, so that the children will not freeze. Everywhere cool. I said, so what else are you asking for? People are not manufacturing. Tell him there is no power. In Jesus' name, if you ever open your mouth again, when you are not a manufacturer, 
You don't have any business. You're not running a hotel, nothing. It's just to sleep this, your ideal body. And you're telling me there's no power. If you were God, will you give you power? Won't you ask, oh, 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 girl, oh boy, what do you want to do with it? Say, I want to sleep. By <laughs> the Lord is good. You have need of what? Endurance. Let's get back to it. We're reading somewhere, right? Where is it again? Hebrews 10, which verse? Uh-huh. He said, you have need of what? Endurance. Ability to stand difficult times. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Israel had a promise of the promised land, like we call it now. But when they saw, saw giants, they ran away. We can't take the land. Ah, and you know what? <laughs> Let me tell you something. I want to, you know, I want people to fear God. I, this, this gospel of God is good. It doesn't do anything bad to you. Is the reason why most Christians will fail. Many Christians will fail. Because there's no fear. They say you don't fear God like you fear a rattlesnake. That is what some people say. What I preach is, please, when you see God, see rattlesnake. Charge at the rattlesnake. He's safer. Fear God more than you fear a rattlesnake. And Jesus said it like that. Was I the one that said it? He said, don't fear the one that can kill the, bo- the flesh alone, the, the body alone. Fear him that after killing the body, he will look for the thing inside the body, collect it, and send it into eternal fire. Say that one, fear. So please, let's get it clear. Fear God. Listen, no, no, you shouldn't be afraid of your father. No, why should you be afraid of your father? Until he carries a kid. <laughs> and you have offended him. No, listen, some of the gospel that I preach these days, I thank God for experience. When I say experience now is this. I've raised a number of children, and I understand that you can be firm and feared at the same time as loved. You can be firm and feared at the same time as loved. The mistake we have made is we just want to present God as somebody to love alone, but not to be feared. And for that reason, we miss out a lot. What am I saying? They, did, they feared the giants and did not fear God. And you saw what happened to them. That's how I'm going. They are t- See, there are decisions I've, I've made. It is not because I'm not afraid in quotes. It is because <laughs> I think of the opposite. Really. A friend of mine once, he came to Nigeria. lives abroad. So he said he was coming to Enugu to come and you know, relax with Jesus and all of that. Very good friend. So suddenly, then when he, he called me and said that, please, I should help him out. I said, what is it? That his wife said, ah, he should just immediately rush to the airport and come back to the U.S. where they live. Why? Because she had a dream and she has a bad feeling, you know? <sighs> so he called me and said, thank you, please. Eh? I need your counsel. What do I do? Now, it's what I told him that I want to tell you. I said, first, let's establish something. Your wife is walking in fear. It's not revelation. It's not revelation, you know? It's not, it's not what? A revel- oh God. It's not a revelation. I said it's fear. It's all the news people hear about kidnapping, road traffic accident, this and that and that. Uh, you know, militants, you know, headmen. I said that is what she's hearing. 
And yes, even me too, I don't want my husband to die. If I were the one, I wouldn't want my husband to die. I wouldn't want him to be killed. I wouldn't want trouble. So, we first established that it is what? Fear. It's not a revelation. So, I said, my brother, so what do we do? I said, are we going to live our lives? No. Controlled by fear? That, that was what solved it all. He said, thank you very much. That's where I'm going. I said, no, how do you walk before God controlled by fear? Ha. So, do it well simply. Don't worry, I'll be fine. So his team made the journey whichever way. When, we, when they got here in Atun, they look, they just want compromise he gave her. That he will leave, the day was supposed to leave. He was supposed to leave. I get, got him a flight a bit late in the day. His flight was at 10 p.m. out of the country. I said, look, you got to Lagos around 4. It's fine. He said, okay, okay, don't worry. Just to make my wife happy, I'll leave first in the morning. But that road, he traveled it, sat in the bus, got to Enugu, sat down here, relaxed. Why? Because we came to an agreement. I said, look, I, and that, a lot of decisions I make, that's how I made them. I, I make them. I said, how do I explain to the Lord why I'm doing this? I, I'm afraid. Ha. Huh. No. The people that dis- disobeyed him because of fear, I know what he did to them. You know, he called a man called Jeremiah. Small boy. Teenager, maybe. Or at worst, about 20 years of age. A priest from Anatoth. Before you were formed in the womb, I called you. I consecrated you. That one said, ah, alas, I cannot speak, talk. I'm just a small boy. God, nothing there. Don't worry about that. You don't have to know how to talk. Just go there and repeat whatever I tell you to say. And go everywhere I tell you to go. Now, that's not my gist. My gist is that he's not told him. That when you, he said, I'm sending you before people that are very fearful. Powerful men. He said, if you are afraid of them, I will disgrace you. Did you hear what I said? You know, you'll have come in and said, don't worry, I am with thee, and don't worry. If you are afraid, don't worry, you will see me. I will just be there, I will deliver you. He said, no, this time around, them, you'll warn you ahead of time. <laughs> if you are afraid of them, I will disgrace you before them. So each time Jeremiah delivered the message before people that everybody will be afraid of, you know what he did? He was afraid of somebody bigger. According to um, David Paulson, the cure for fear is a bigger fear. David Paulson said, that's it. He said, the cure for fear is a bigger one. If they tell you there's a snake in a room, and you're about to run, and they say they lie on the outside, you know you go back inside, close the door. <laughs> <laughs> you will close the door, and bring out your toddler or anything. You'll be hunting. You would dare the snake to come out. <laughs> so the cure for fear, the person said, is a bigger fear. Israel didn't understand what they were dealing with. That's why, <laughs> oh, the Lord is good. That's why I said Christians should learn to fear God. I know we love, well, actually, we don't love him. Because the love of God, the love, listen, let me explain it again. It is not possible to truly love God and not fear Him. It's not possible. The love of God is not an emotion of affection. That's not what it is. Let me explain it again. That love of God is not the emotion of affection. When I see God, I just want to hug Him. I just want to kiss Him. <laughs> I've heard that thing from people many times. I never, look, no matter, most of them say, oh, I, you know, 
well, I don't mean any insult, but those who call themselves worshippers, they just want to worship the Lord. When they see him, they're going to kiss him. I said, don't till that time. <laughs> till then, there's no wala, Mr. Kiss, till that time. <laughs> kiss the Lord. Read your Bible. Who did you see that did that one? No, the only person anybody, when Jesus was physically alive, yes, they tried that, you know, as a living person. But God before that time, and the resurrected Christ, did you see anything like that? People just be having ideas that are not scriptural. They are still the Lord, I'm going to hug him, I'm going to kiss him. Mm. Bros, go ahead. God has never defined, <laughs> it's true. You know, I've had, sometimes, I don't want to argue with people, say, no, ah, that thing you said, ah, there's no trouble. She'll be one day, we'll see the Lord. Uh, start the kissing process that time. But I'll kiss your wife and your husband and get all the kisses you want because he ain't kissing the Lord. <laughs> no, you know, the truth, listen, let's face the scriptures. God has never defined love for him by affection for him. Go and check it. If a man loves me, he will keep my commandments. It's not Lord, I'm missing you. No. <laughs> it's nothing like that. You miss your husband, miss your wife, miss your children. When is the Lord? Ah, hey, early will I seek thee to hear what you are saying to me. I, I, I hope you get my point. I will stand at my watch, my guard post. That's what the, the love of God is. To follow Him step by step, you know, every step of the way. To obey every instruction. That is what God calls love. You, that's why you can't tell the Lord. Then the Lord says, go somewhere. Say, Lord, ha, I don't want to leave your presence. I just want to stay with you. <laughs> go is what he calls love. I hope you are getting my point here. Is instru- Look, that's what God calls love. So this fear, this love of God that does not come with the fear of him does not exist. It doesn't exist. Some of the ways we get confused, I remember those people were teaching Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, how to hear the Holy Spirit, hear God. <laughs> you know me and some of those doctrines, we have our personal problems. So one sister, they say, oh, that sister has a fantastic fellowship with the Holy Spirit. She has a good relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the person telling me was telling me, Jesus, I look, I say, I just shook my head. You guys obviously don't know God. You're pretending. You have seen his shadow pass. You don't know him. Because she said, ah, that sister is so close to the Holy Spirit. One day, Holy Spirit spoke to her. She said, ah, ah, how can? How can you tell me to do that kind of thing? No, I can't talk. I said, Holy Spirit. (laughs) I looked. Hey, hey. I said, it's obvious you don't believe it's the Holy Spirit or you are besides thyself. Even when we want to disobey God, we don't tell him. <laughs> we'll just say, all right. He said, go to Nineveh. Say, all right, okay. Then you take a boat to Tashish. <laughs> it's not like you stand in front of him and say, Nineveh, God, you, are you serious about that? You will let him finish talking. He say, yes, Lord. Then you go to Dashish. You were down the way, but at least <laughs> you had your way. 
What am I doing to explain here? So, then they said, ah, Holy Spirit said, I just, I just, I kept quiet. No, there are things you can't answer. He said, obviously, you people don't know what they call Holy Spirit. Because if you did, once you start hearing that voice, you kneel down. And you bow your head. It's people like that that are married finish telling their husband. You know, you know, of course, <laughs> no, if you see that a girl like that, don't marry her. Because anybody that can do that to the Holy Spirit, what will he do to you? <laughs> Brothers, I'm warning you. In fact, if I was engaged to her, I would run. I said, okay, you're strong. Even Lucifer is supposed to fear you. The Lord is good. What I want to explain, look, true love for God does not exist except there's fear of Him. It does not exist except there's fear of Him. And the apostle said, the cure for the lesser fear is a greater one. If you understand that the giants are not as bad, in quotes, as the Lord is, you will face them. You will tell, Caleb, what do you think? Now, these giants are fearful, but the guy behind us is worse. <laughs> no, it's true now. Say, hey, charge, charge, let's charge. Ooh, you charge the giants because you, do, you don't want to turn. <laughs> because when you turn, when you see the Lord looking at you, ah, giants, ah! <laughs> And in that process, all the giants will be tumbling, one after the other. They will be tumbling one after the other. That's why God look at Jeremiah. He said, if you are afraid of them, I will disgrace you before them. Jeremiah said, okay. So Jeremiah prophesied at anybody. Once he has the word, he will say it. No matter why, because the person behind him is worse than the one in front of him. That's what they call the fear of God. So sometimes people tell me, ah, I look for where life is comfortable. I said, then how do I explain? I don't know whether you are getting my point. How do I explain to the Lord what I did? He said, occupy with this until I come. Then when he comes, what will I say to him? What will I say now? Is it, that's why sometimes I just wonder. I said, one day, one of my colleagues told me something. That, ah, I should advise him about ministry, ministry. I said, okay. He said, now that he's a professor, he now has time to face the word of God, work of God. You know, I now went home and told my wife, say, please, do you want to be a widow? She said, no. I said, okay. In that case, please, remind me never to say this. And then the day I say it, go and call prayer meeting, because your husband don't die with that. Because when the guy said it to me, ah, I'm like, what? You can say this? Then you're not called. You're not called. Leave it to, you're not called. You are not called. You know, let me tell something about the Lord. He gives you talents, minas. And says, I have given you time. Do business. Be busy doing business until I return. And when he returns, he sits down. Now come and give account. Um, so please read my book, Guided by the Spirit. Inside that book, I explain something. Listen. That people say that, you know, Holy Spirit, you know, learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, I don't believe you need to. You know, you know my teaching now. I don't believe you need to learn it. I don't believe it. Pastor Bank, you mean you don't believe in hearing the Holy Spirit? No, 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 no. That's not what I said. I just said it's not something you learn. Holy Spirit knows how to shout. That's what I say. You say, no, no. The, the voice of the Holy Spirit is gentle. Have you heard this before? Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Does not force you. Show me the Bible 
that says that. What did he say about the voice of the Lord? It's like the sound of what? Many waters. He said the voice of God breaks the cedars in Lebanon. You know what they call cedars in Lebanon? More than the way we call them Iroko tree. That when God talks, let, that is, that's utterance. The bush starts breaking. And you tell me he's a gentleman. I don't know who you're talking about. Oh. Gentleman told Jeremiah. Gentleman. The one, Jeremiah, the one you tell Jeremiah, the Lord is a gentleman. Say, you don't, maybe we're not saying the same one. The one I know. When he called me, he warned me that he, know, he disgraces people. Gentleman, I don't know what you mean. So what do you do? It's not about tuning the voice. It is about obeying everything that he says to you. When I wrote the book, Guided by the Spirit, that's what I tried to explain to people. That yes, the book is in two sides. First side, I talked about how to walk you know, with God on a regular basis. Then I now went ahead to explain things like visions, dreams, revelations. Paul would say, let's now come to visions and revelations. He talked about they exist. You know, the prophets hear voices. Christians hear voices. God speaks to them. But check it. Every time he speaks, he takes the initiative that nobody forces him to speak. Nobody forces him to speak. That's what I just say. But what do you do? This is where I'm going. How do I do that which is pleasing to God? That's what I'm going to explain to us. It's each time I have to make a decision. Because every decision you make, there are reasons. Sometimes known to you, sometimes unknown to you. But there are always reasons. One of the things the Lord has helped me with over the last many years is to know the reasons why I'm doing some things. Now, this one I'm making. Each reason you have to do or not to do, this this is where I'm going. My fear, this one thing I learned long ago, is how do I defend it before the Lord? That's what I'm saying. Each reason, this is what we mean when we say God is judge. He will sit down and say, Banky, I told you, go here or don't go there. So, why did you go? Or, let's forget what I told you, what I didn't tell you. Banky, you left from point A to point B. Why did you do it? I know you can't lie. Okay? Point number one. I found that point B is safer than point A. You say, but I've heard you quote, like what the Kenehagin said. He said, the Lord said, I will judge you with the words of your own mouth. So, God, the Lord will say to me, Bank, but I've heard you quote that safety is not the absence of danger, but the presence of God. So, when did you establish that I'm more present in point B than in point A? Are you see what I'm saying? Okay. You were supposed to spend money on this. Why didn't you? Or the opportunity to spend money on this came. Why didn't you? Ha, Lord, I checked it. You know, I have five people that are going to university now. So, I've checked it that over the next few years, this might have to keep it aside. He said, but you heard me say that take no thought for the morrow. The first one of them, which class is, in, is about to enter, there are four, they are in secondary school. So I was just taking that, so let's keep this money aside. He said, but you saw that this need was more urgent. Ha. You know, you never can know tomorrow. I don't know where I get my point. He said, but I told you, and that's one thing, you can ask my wife, I told her, I said, one thing I'm, when I say fear, listen, I'm not ashamed to say it. One thing I fear is that statement. But I told you. Ha! I will pee in my, my trouser that day. 
The Lord said, why did you do this? And I said, and he says, but I told you. That but is a fear that, for me. And I think you should be afraid of it too. People hear God, they hear God. Listen, forget all of those things. What you need is every reason, the reason you have for making a decision. Make sure you can sit down, sorry, you can stand before his judgment throne and explain it in righteousness. I emphasize that word in righteousness. Make sure you can defend it in righteousness. Some of you that want to marry, <laughs> and you are still checking whether she's from here, he's from there. You are in trouble. Your trouble is consolidated. It's about to explain the big bang. Because God said, after everything I've told you, your mother may have been a Hittite, and your father an Amorite. That was then. Henceforth, we know no man after the flesh. That statement, watch it very well. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. I feel sorry for people. Hey, defense. There's project defense with God. He will sit like this. By himself with the angels on his left and his right. Waiting for you to talk. So, there's no wahala. I'm not saying, can you marry everybody? We believe in one man. And how many wives? One. Thank you. Alright, so we read the same Bible. We're both Christians. That's good. So, if a man asks you to marry him, the answer, assuming there are ten men, the answer to nine will be what? No. So, it's normal. The question is, why? And that is what they call hearing God. Not I went to pray, I went to pray, and in my spirit, my spirit said that, I've seen spirits that lie. Spirits can lie. Christian spiritual, I don't mean evil spiritual. Christian spirit will be deceiving the church. Somebody about to disobey everything we know about truth. Why you want to talk? My spirit. I was counting one brother one day. Why are you making this decision? He said, uh, you know, while I was praying, and then I heard the Lord say, I said, my friend, relax. Before you say, you heard the Lord say. If you want to say it, I will close the discussion here now. Let me know I wasted my time coming to talk to you. You know me. I know you enough. Let's talk like men of God. Brethren, children of God, let's talk. Drop this spirit, said to me. That's how they intimidate you so you can't talk. I want to talk to Christian. He won't let you talk again. Why? His spirit has spoken. His spirit is God, creator of the heavens and the earth. Inside your spirit. I'm going to lie to your spirit. He's in unity with the spirit of God. Anything you hear from your spirit is God that spoke. It's a lie. Paul said, let's cleanse ourselves of all defilement of flesh and spirit. The spirit of Christian can be defiled and defiled spirits tell lies. So whatever your spirit is saying, it's only as good as it is pure. Spirits that have fear in them, they lie to people. They'll say, arise, depart from here, go to the other country, there's prosperity there. It is not God, it is fear. My spirit, my spirit, listen. Forget what your spirit is saying. Every decision you have, you make, has a reason. And even though your spirit really spoke, the pure good spirit really spoke, over time, you'll be able to defend that decision in righteousness. That's why I wrote that sermon. That's why one of those, we put out one of those books we compiled. When I go own that decision. So the man says, marry me. You say no. Not, not big deal. You can't say no. You can't say no. But hey, be honest with yourself. Kneel down and pray. God, what is my reason? You know, hey, he's from, I'm from here. He's from there. For some people, that's very, very strong reason. I hope you know that. 
And I hope you know it's also an evil reason. It's a reason of wickedness. It's the reason of unrighteousness. It's an unrighteous reason. Some are even so funny. Christians, you know he's from, he's a Baptist and I'm a Methodist. See, the prophetic word has gone forth. All those walls have fallen down, both figuratively and physically. Do you understand? Listen to this. There are, you will see physical buildings collapse. Most of the time it will be just one wall, or a wall and a half. God is just uttering a word. I'm breaking the walls. So when it happens, don't blame the architect. Don't blame the structural engineer. Don't even blame the weather. Just know an angel went there. You know angels, they carry hammer. Ah, you don't know that? Angels, they break things. And spiritually, of course, those walls must break. So when you say that, God says, okay, so in your country now, there are three bodies of Christ. There is a Baptist body. <laughs> there is an Anglican body. There is a Methodist body and the rest body. So it's not one body now. How many bodies? Three. Like I said, this is what he does. He will now say, but I told you, they will replay the message the day you heard it. To be clear to you. And he will let you see a vision of the angel that was reminding you. Ada, Ada, Ada. There is one body. There is one body. Say, I rebuke you, Satan. <laughs> the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. That is what people say the head spirit. That is what they mean. Forget all of this. Look, see, I'm telling you about fear. Alright? For me, it is that but I told you. That's my greatest fear. One of my greatest fears. Let me put it like that. That the Lord will say, but I told you. So if I suspect there will be a but I told you in something, eh, I really do so that there will be no but I told you. I like one thing Katrin Kuma was, uh, she said at the time. That when she sees the Lord, one thing she wants to tell the Lord, say, Lord, I tried. I may not have done everything right, Lord, but I tried. Now, I don't know the context in which she said it, but I picked something from that. And let me be able to tell the Lord, say, everything I know was engaged in making that decision. And like Oswald Chambers will now say, what if the decision is wrong? He said, don't worry. Then it now becomes his responsibility to correct it. That's Oswald Chambers' explanation. You may be wrong. Yes. He said, but when the Lord says you've done everything right, according to what he told, uh, uh, what Abimelech said, in your integrity... In your integrity, when you have done everything right, that is when it now shows up inside the dream. And say, Abimelech, it's not like that. You took another man's wife, said, Lord, you know me, I will never do that. Say, that is why I'm talking to you. Normally, I will have killed you. Because the kind of woman you took, and the kind of man that he is, I kill. I kill people. No, you know, I, I, you know, I'm painting a non-Pentecostal God for you. I like to, to know this God is not a Pentecostal. He doesn't come to our church. Oh. I remember, he's God. He told Abimelech, ah, that's why I came to tell you. I know, yes, really, you're not like that. So you make your decision, you made your decision within the context of the information you had and the, your understanding of righteousness. Fine, so let's now correct you. Go and return his wife. Is it a sin anyway? So, you take an, a sacrifice. He says he's a prophet. 
he will pray for you. And that's how God is. When we have done what is right, that is when we have done what we know to do, within the context of the information that he has given, then it is not his duty to make sure we are right. If we are wrong, he will correct it. That is when he speaks in dreams and visions. Sometimes what he just does is to bring new information. One of our brothers he was going to propose to a woman and stopped to see me. And I rejoiced with him. Then I asked one simple question. He gave me one answer and I said, lie, lie, don't try it. That was it. He was heartbroken because I said, you would not dare that. That proposal will not happen. On the certain things are put in place. If he's not willing to put them in place, then you just be watching. Don't say anything, just be watching. One bit of information, I just added it to what he had, and he knew that he couldn't go ahead. That's what God does. I hope you're following my point here. That's what he does. So before you start running up and down, looking for where there is safety, ask him, ask, ask, take each point and put it down. There are things I hear Christians say. That I can't hear what the minister for labor said. Said there is no job in Nigeria. That's why I want to go to Ghana. Because so the word of the minister for labor is now what is moving you up and down. What are you saying to me? That I have lost the ability to provide just where you are. Do you know why we insult God on a daily basis? Say God, which are you to retire? You don't slow. How old are you now? According to physics, you are one four point eight billion years. Because if the world is four point seven billion years old, the guy who created it is just a little older. So what? When are you retiring? And by that time, you won't be there to provide for us again. So let's take care of ourselves. We tell God that, and He's just looking at us like this. And let me tell you again today: He gets angry. He does get angry. Let nobody tell you that. I, I see that somebody said today, some, you know, these gay activists, that all the anger of God has been quelled by Jesus. I said, I agree with you. Jesus has not taken it over by himself. Go and read the book of Revelation. You know what Jesus does when he's angry. And somebody, I said, this, they, don't, they don't read the Bible. They don't read the Bible. And those with Christians. Somebody was talking about the anger of God. Somebody said something. Another person said, no, the, the wrath of God is coming. He said, no, the wrath of God has been killed in Christ Jesus. I said, eh, it's good. Then go and see Jesus, the wrath himself. <laughs> hey. When Jesus showed up angry, the rest of the world said, rocks fall on us. That earthquake and rocks falling is safer. I'm facing the angry Jesus. And somebody tells me he doesn't get angry. I don't know which Jesus are you talking about. Let me tell you. The one you slap his face and he turns the other cheek. We crucify that one. The one that rose again from the dead. He's so terrible that even he had to calm himself down. That if I do what I can do, they will not remain. So he deliberately slows down in his anger. So he's slow to anger. Because he knows that when he is angry, even the mountain will start melting. I want to understand that part of Jesus. So when you are making every, any decision in your life, know you have to defend it before him. That's how you are guided by the Spirit. 
Please, I don't want to teach that whole book again. Go and read it. If you are listening to this, you can download it from our website. It's there. Free download. That's how you are guided by the Spirit. So when we are making decisions, people of God, let me get back to where I went into that. Each decision is made with us knowing we have to defend it before the Lord. One of my friends told me something. He's a physician and he practices in Texas, in the U.S. He said in their hospital that patients hardly get, that doctors hardly get sued. Now, you know about medical lawsuits in America is a big deal. Especially in places like New York, L.A. and all of that is big. But in Texas, it's not a big deal for a number of reasons. And in his, in, in his own hospital, it's even smaller. He said because of a practice they have. Now, that's what I want to tell you about. Just emphasize and summarize what I have said so far. He said they have a round every, I think every week. What we call a round, actually, in medicine, like a meeting like this. People gather. And that every patient that is discharged, you come, you the, the, the consultant, they call it attending, the attending physician, you come, and they go through it line by line, and you defend every decision. If you have to give the patient two tablets of paracetamol, explain to them why. If the patient was having a fever, and you refuse to bring the fever down, and they check the chart. Look, the nurse told you the fever, the temperature was 39.5 at this point when you came to review the patient. We've checked the chart for the next 12 hours. There was nothing given to drop that fever. Why? You have to explain. You will tell them, whatever, let me not go into details. Whatever be the reason, you tell them. They see a drug you give, you tell them. The patient complained at 9 a.m. That drug was given at 11.30. Why was there a two and a half hour delay? He said, and I told me something. He said, walking like that puts you on your toes. He said, so every time you want to make a decision, you know you have to defend it before your colleagues. He said, that is the reason why the doctors in my hospital hardly ever get sued. He said, because to start a lawsuit, it first goes through a medical panel. He said, you are used to the panel. You know, so you walk with the fear of them in mind. Ah, talk about, talking about fear. Of course, he's a Nigerian. He said, when he first got there to work, when he saw that, he said, what kind of rubbish is this? I'm an guy in my own right. You know, he wanted to raise shoulder because I think it's kind of not compulsory. You can refuse to attend. He said, there was one, I think um, a Greek doctor that was there. He said, that one called him, or, uh, or Israeli doctor called him and said, listen. He said, just come to the side. So, boy, this is your attitude to get into trouble. He said, this man you're looking at, they can make or make you. So, better cool your head and behave yourself. So he calmed down and decided to participate fully. He said that thing keeps him in check. What am I talking about? The fact that he has to defend every decision before his colleagues. People of God, that's how it is with the Lord. That's what I'm trying to explain to us. Every decision you have to defend before the Lord. And please, don't go and tell him the Spirit told me. He knows if the Spirit told you, he wouldn't ask you. The one that is asking you, just know the Spirit didn't tell you. Your Spirit told yourself. Not his Spirit. So, you have need of what? Endurance. Or patience. Ability to endure. That's what I was, I was trying to explain. The ability to withstand difficult times. Why? Because when you do, you will receive that which was what? Promised. 
If Israel had withstood the giants, they would have stepped basically or to a large extent effortlessly. It would have been like if it was effortless, they would have stepped into the promised land. The giants were in, in there. They should have known that to turn and face the Lord is worse than turning and facing the giants. Then they will have charged at the giants. And they will have realized that there is no giants that ever killed an Israelite. Read your Bible. Not one. Read it. All that noise they were making. David killed Goliath. Caleb killed plenty giants. The men of David were killing any giants. But any time they see giants, oh boy, no, no, you don't kill your own, it's my turn. The giants never stood a chance against the people of God. And let me tell you, there is no trouble in life that stands a chance against the people of God. Did you hear what I said? There is no trouble in life that can... That, see, the chance, they don't have the chance. It's only the children of God that run. They are the ones that run. There's no trouble. Pover- Forget poverty, sickness. There's no plague, no epidemic. No kidnapper, nothing. No trouble. It's where we run. That's where the problem is. That is where the problem is. And back to what I began with. We may appear to be prisoners, but the Bible says there are prisoners that have what? Hope. Where does hope come from? Information. And that's what I'm delivering again today. Understand it. You have difficult times. Is because God says you must have the ability to what? Endure. As the last time, let me say it again. If things have been working the way you like it from the time you were born, <laughs> you are not, you, you have a lot of trouble. You are not blessed. If you have had disappointments, especially that you overcame. And when I say overcame, I don't mean that um, you lost 10 million, you now got 20 million. That's not what I mean by overcame. I mean, you lost 10 million, your head is still correct. That's what I mean by overcoming. You lost 10 million, and the people that helped you lose it, you are not looking for them to shoot them. What is overcoming with Joseph? It's not that he now got to the throne. Real overcoming, you must understand this. The real overcoming that Joseph overcame was that he saw his brothers and he was not angry. I don't know whether you heard that. You know, the normal person, as they came looking for food, what goes around comes around. It's my turn now. He said, those men, lock them up. Put them in a pit. Leave them for four days. No food, no water. Let them know what it felt like to be in a pit. After that, sell all those old men into slavery. You know the thing about David, about Joseph? It's not just that he did not do that. It's that he felt sorry for them. If you go and check it, he was testing them whether they were still well the way they used to be. He kept them in one place and was checking whether they would quarrel. No, go and read that story. He kept on checking. Would they quarrel? Ah, then when he saw that, he decided that, okay, he will keep one of them behind while the rest will go. And they were like, okay, no, let me stay, let me stay. Then when he decided to, when he came the second time, and he decided, he found a way to capture his younger brother, um, yeah, Benjamin. And he saw how one said, ah, 
Please, let me stay. Let him go. Why? Because, remember what he said? I told my father. My father didn't want him to come. He's an old man. If he doesn't return, he will die. I told him to kill my two sons. If this boy does not return, he said, ah, these men have changed. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He was testing them that as, are they still as bad as they used to be? That was what concerned him. That how can men live like this? They are hurting themselves on a daily basis. So he kept on checking. And when he found out they were, they were not really like that, he couldn't hold himself back. He started crying. And they're like, why is Oga crying? He said, please, my name is Joseph. They were the ones say, ah, we don't die. I don't die. I don't die. <laughs> he said, no, 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 no. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. How's my father? He's still alive. That was overcoming for Joseph. It's not, uh-huh. <laughs> the first shall be the last. <laughs> Tie them up. Look how we kept, No. My enemies, die by fire. <laughs> There's something I can't, I can't share for the pulpit, but now, today I was in my house. I was just laughing to myself. I was laughing. There's a reason why I was laughing. Someone was trying to insinuate that, ah, could it be that some people are against you? And the one that came to mind, you understand, happens to be a believer. I said, ah, no, God should please oh. Don't enjoy him. I don't know whether you're getting my point. But what was coming to my mind is that, in fact, the man was talking to me on the phone, senior person was talking to me on the phone. I said, sir, no, no, don't worry about it. I said, no, it doesn't work like that. In my mind, anybody tries it, you don't know the God we are dealing with. Oh. And instantly I began to feel sorry. Actually, I had to praise the Lord, please. Eh? I'm not saying you don't correct people, but you know this kind of thing. I know the way you do, this kind of people now, you don't remove their neck. So, Lord, please don't remove the neck. Just remove the tip of your finger. But adventure they will hear. Because I know that's how he behaves. I pray we understand the God we are dealing with. So, overcoming for Joseph was not now I enter the throne. Overcoming for Joseph is what? He saw his brothers and he wasn't angry. He saw his brothers and, see, I told you, forgiveness... It's not just a good trait. It's a product of understanding. It's good to forgive, but you can't help forgive if you see enough. You can't help it. You will forgive. If you have enough understanding, you will forgive. And that's what happened to Joseph. Joseph couldn't be angry. He said, guys, I know you're angry with yourselves. You meant it for evil, I know. But God meant it for good. Your evil heart did not bring me here. It was the plan of God that brought me here. So, if you want to feel bad, feel bad for your own evil heart. I hope you are getting my point. Don't feel bad that you sent me into prison. Don't feel bad for the things you did to me. Feel bad that you were wicked enough for God to use for such a project. But that I'm here is a project from heaven. No, really. What is overcoming, therefore? As I'm explaining. Those of us who have overcome as Christians are people that despite everything that has happened, the faith in God is not shaken. You know, it has not been shaken. 
Our trust in him is not moved. That's what it means to overcome. That's what it means to overcome. That you have troubles in life, forget it. That's a normal thing. Nothing special. You know, this is a story I've told you a number of times. A young man that came to me described everything that I was going through. So I was, you know, I was waiting for the trouble. Like, so you, he served God so well. Other people took money. He did not take money. Uh-huh. I was not waiting. So, so, why are we having this conversation? And at two years now, God has not done anything for him. You know, that day, I felt bad. Not for him, but for the body of Christ. For what we older preachers have done to the younger people. I said, what? You just told me you are still serving NYSE. What do you want him to do for you? You want a wife? You don't want a wife. What do you want him to do? You have a house you are living in. You don't have money to splash around, but at least food comes. And I said to him, but you know you don't need money. He said, ah. I said, you don't. Now, what did the Bible say? It is good for a young man to bear his poverty when he's young. His body in the days of his youth. I know what he said. I looked and I said, what? I don't know whether you're getting my point. So what is the problem? One day, a cousin of mine called me. He said, whether I can find her some money. Why? He's trying to buy a ticket to go abroad. <laughs> no, don't laugh here too. Because the funny, the ridiculous part has not yet been told to you. So I said, you are going abroad to do what? Ah, He said, bros, the way this country is going. You know, I was so happy or sad that it was on the phone. Because it was physically. Now slap why? The person talking to me, small picking. You know what they call small picking in Nigeria? Look at this young girl. I said, do you know what? What do you? Spell the word country. <laughs> that is. I was so angry. Of course, even, even if I was Dangote, I wouldn't give you a dime. Why? I can't see what the problem is. If you call me and say, ah, my project. I'm, so, I'm in final year. I don't have enough money to finish my project. Ah, and you're my born now. Find me something. I will ask, what is the project about? What, how much money do you need? How many more months do you have in school? Then we can have a conversation. Not small picking that has not... Otherwise, that was in first year in university. I'm, I'm serious. Oh, you thought I was talking about another adult? adult, adult. Not an adult, though. Or I've not even entered. Something like that. That the way this country is going... Thank you. Nigeria don't suffer. Every man not open mouth. Talk rubbish. Oh, the Lord is good. What am I saying? Let's say promise over your life. Give me an amen. amen. You have a need of what? Endurance. Patience. The ability to withstand trouble. When God has built that character in you, then you will receive the promise that he has given Let's rise to our feet. So our school of prayer, I just wanted to, you know, like I said, without hope you can't pray. Without hope there is no prayer. Without hope there is no prayer. We don't have the ability to pray if we don't have hope. Let's start again with thanksgiving. Say, Lord, we thank you. Say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. I thank you. Say, Lord, I thank you.
I wanted to give thanks. Thanksgiving is so important. Thank Him because you have a promise. Like we said last time, all things are working together for your good. God is working endurance in you. Say, Lord, I thank you because indeed you are working endurance in me. Lord, I thank you. Indeed, you are working patience in me. James said, count it all joy. Say to the Lord this evening, Lord, I count it all joy. James said, when you fall into diverse trials, why? The testing of your faith works patience. Faith is often tested. You see here, Paul may declare to us, doing the will of God does not mean everything will be easy. That's why you still need patience. Say to him this evening, say, Lord, I will do your will constantly. I will walk in your will constantly. I rejoice even though I have trials. I rejoice even though I have trials. Again, specifically mention the trials you may be experiencing and rejoice in them. Thank God for that delay. Thank God for that loss. Rejoice for trials. Sometimes you don't even know what to do. Thank God that you don't know exactly what to do now. So you are just going to rest in the Lord, enjoy His word, and decide not to worry about anything. Let's thank God for those trials. Say, Lord, I thank you for the trials I am going through. James said, count it all joy. Count it all joy. Why? Because the trial of your faith works patience. And we read it here. You have need of patience. So that having done the will of God, you will inherit the promise. Thank God for the promises. Thank God for the promises. Thank God for his promises. His promises that cannot fail. Thank God that he cannot lie. So his promises will come to pass. Thank him. He said, Lord, I am not discouraged. Begin to declare, Lord, I am not discouraged. I refuse to be discouraged. I am not discouraged. I refuse to be discouraged. I encourage myself in the Lord. I am encouraged in the Lord. I rejoice at your word, Lord, as one that has already made a breakthrough. As someone that has already had a breakthrough. That's how I rejoice at your word. Thank you for understanding. I rejoice in the things that matter. Your word to me is gold. When I have your word, I have gold. Your word to me is more precious than physical riches. In the name of Jesus, I will not be discouraged. It's important. I wanted to take time out and talk to the Lord. Said, Lord, despite the setbacks, I will not be discouraged. Despite all the setbacks I may have experienced, I will not be discouraged. I hold on to the promises of God. I will never lose hope. I will never lose hope. Say, Lord, help me never to lose hope. Strengthen me never to lose hope. I open my mouth and declare that I will never lose hope. Lord, power those words. Empower those words. Empower those words. Let them come back with grace into my life. Lord, pour the grace of confidence into me. Oh, the Bible says that, you know, it is impossible for God to lie. And it says that in him there is no variableness or shadow of turning. What that means is that situations can't change him. Situations cannot make him change his mind. Oh, no, no, no. His words control situations. And if he has released a promise, and you are doing the will of God, and we know what the will of God is. The will of God is just to obey the righteousness you know. You do the will of God. You receive that promise, you are doing the will of God. That which he has promised will definitely come to pass. He said, I will make prosperity flow towards you like a river. And the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. It therefore makes it forbidden that you go around looking for it. He said, but you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all other things will be added unto you. 
Declare with your mouth this evening. Say, Lord, I will seek the kingdom of God. I will seek the kingdom of God alone. And I will seek his righteousness. I will seek the kingdom of God. I will seek his righteousness. In the name of Jesus, all other things are added to me. I do not go around looking for other things. <laughs> they are things that are added. Everybody, open the, let's open our Bibles to Psalm 23 quickly. I, I feel like we should declare Psalm 23 again today. Psalm 23. We are going to all read it together. Just a few verses. There are four verses, there are six verses. Are we there? Okay, let me lead. They just follow me. Everybody declare after me. Say, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack. Because he's the one that provides for me. Say, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Anywhere he makes me lie down, that's green pastures. See, whether I see it or not. I trust him. He sees what I can't see. Say, I lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness. For his name's sake. Now, this is very important. Say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For the Lord is with me. Say, no matter the news outside, I fear no evil. For the Lord is with me. Say, his rod, his staff, they comfort me. Say, his word is my comfort. His spirit is my comfort. My hope is in his word. My hope is in his promises. He has prepared a table before me. In the presence of my enemies. He has anointed my head with oil. And my cup overflows. Say no matter what the enemies are. No matter who the enemies are. The table of the Lord is before me. And I will feast from the table of the Lord. Say my head is anointed. I have ability. The Spirit of God is upon me. Because he has anointed me with his oil. Therefore I can run through a troop. I can leap over a wall. I can solve difficult problems. I can overcome challenges. I have endurance. I'm a true soldier of Christ. Because the grace of God is working with me. Say the grace of God is working in my life. I can overcome every temptation. Because where sin abounds, His grace for me much more abounds. Say He has anointed me with this oil. He has given me His ability. And I declare that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Give him thanks in your own words. Just give him the Lord thanks. Say, Father, I thank you. Say, Lord, I thank you for this truth. Say, Lord, I thank you for this truth. 
Say, Lord, I thank you for this truth. Say, Lord, I thank you for this truth. Let me just lead in this declaration about the Lord and then we'll close. Oh, this is a personal prayer. I love this so much. Say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. I will fear no one. The Lord is the strength of my life. I have no cause to be afraid. Say, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock, and in him I have protection. He is my shield. He is the power that saves me. He is my place of safety. Say it like this. Say, there is none like the God of Israel. Some of my favorite scriptures these days. For me and my children, we recite it. It's so powerful. I love it. Say, there is none like the God of Israel. Who rise the heavens to my help. And through the skies in his majesty. And through the skies in his majesty. Say, the eternal God is my dwelling place. And underneath me are his everlasting arms. He has driven out the enemy from before me. He said, let destruction overtake them. Say, therefore I dwell in the land of security. The fountain of my life is secluded. In a land of grain and new wine. And the heavens over me also drop down dew. Say favor falls upon me. No matter where I am. Favor falls upon me. I am in a land of grain and new wine. I dwell in security. Because there is none like my God. He rides through the heavens to help me. Say there is none like one blessed by this God. He is the shield of my help. Say therefore. My enemies cringe before me. And I tread upon their high places. Say poverty is an enemy. It cringes before me. Sickness is an enemy. It has cringed before me. Say fear is an enemy. It cringes before me. Because my confidence is in the Lord. If you want to know where we're declaring from, you can go, it starts from Psalm 18. And then from Deuteronomy chapter 33. We just put everything together. Is the word, look, that's how Christians pray. That's how we pray. That's how we pray. We magnify the Lord. We magnify the Lord. We magnify the Lord. That's how we pray. Prayer is magnifying God. When there's trouble, instead of shouting like everybody, go and say, in the midst of this trouble, who is God? And I traveled home, you know, you hear all kinds of stories, kidnapping, this and this and that. <laughs> and I want to hit the highway. I had my whole family in the vehicle. I just said to my children, everybody say after me, there is none like the God of Israel who rise the heavens to our help. The eternal God is a dwelling place. It's our dwelling place. And underneath us are his everlasting arms. I said, he has driven out the enemies from before us. He said, let destruction overtake them. They will be repeating after me. My wife is there to They don't know why I'm declaring. But I said, I can't refuse to travel. What will I say to the Lord? I don't know whether you're getting my point. That I'm afraid. I said, I can't refuse to travel. So once I put my motor on the road, oh yeah, everybody say after me. The Lord is my help. He's my light. He's my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We declare that word again and again and again. That is how Christians pray. We magnify the Lord. We magnify the Lord. We, that is, we say in the midst of this calamity, who is God? If you fall sick, let me tell you how you handle sickness. When the sickness first starts, start with laughter. No, it's important. You will start with laughter. Say, so you won't scare me. Say, so there is none like the God of Israel who raised the heavens to my help and to the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is a dwelling place. And underneath me are his everlasting arms. Like I always say to illness of any sort, I say, let me explain to you, I win. I always win. <laughs> I say, I always win. That is that one. I will let you know. You are the sickness who are troubling me. From the beginning, let's get it clear. I'm not going to die. My ministry will not slow down. You will not give me any trouble. We first established that from the beginning. That's how we start. I am a winner. I am a winner in Christ Jesus. Greater is he that is in me than he that is trying to kill people, calling himself sickness. So when we started with that one, hey, we cannot go anywhere from there. But get it clear, I always win. I always win. Why? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is working in me and is giving life to my mortal body. Christians, as I will pray, we magnify the Lord. Many people magnify. <laughs> they magnify America. Magnify. What are you magnifying? Some people have magnified slavery. God, make me a slave. Today I saw a link. They said more than 50% of America, no, more than 50 million, let me see if I can find it, American families cannot afford to pay for food. I need to get that information out. When I read it today, I said, what? This is CNN money. This is not um, somebody trying to do something. I need to get it, I need to get it out. It said almost half, yes, almost half of U.S. families can't afford basics like rent and food. Half. This is CNN money. Did you hear what I said? They said almost half of U.S. families cannot afford basic things like rent and food. So if you think there is safety anywhere, forget it all. There is no safety anywhere. Only in the Lord are what? Righteousness and strength. Only in the Lord is safety. Let's give the Lord thanks. Say, Father, we give you praise. Thank him because it's your safety. Thank him because it's your safety. Remember, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. And there's no one I will be afraid of. Let's say, Lord, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Goodness and mercy will go with you. Favor will not depart from you. Those that men certified closed, we open for you. Amen. Because God can open any door. So that door is open for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Favor, favor, favor surrounds you as with a shield. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It is well with you. Alright, can we just declare the word of the Lord? Let's share the grace in fellowship. Just come for the first. I opened that magazine. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, surely we are passed out of death. And we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil. 
Because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our sin of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Quickly bless.